0: So back when the pandemic was just beginning, I uh, realized that I needed to uh, get some things at the store. So I went to the Dollar General and uh, as I was there, I overheard a man cursing at the empty shelves where the toilet paper was supposed to be because there was none there. And I thought to myself, well, it's a good thing I didn't need to get toilet paper And so I got a few uh, items and I still needed some more stuff, so I went to CVS. And I found a few more of the things that I was looking for. And uh, I thought, I'm curious what their toilet paper situation is. And so I went and I looked and sure enough, they're completely empty, no toilet paper at all. And again, I thought, well, it's a good thing that I don't need toilet paper. But there were still a few more items that I needed, so I went across the street to Walgreens, and uh, I found the last things that I was looking for there. And once again, I thought, I wonder what their toilet paper situation is. So I went and I looked there, empty shelves again. But behold, at the end of one shelf was one last package of four rolls of Charmin. And I picked it up, And I thought, well, given the circumstances, maybe I should get this. But then I thought, if everybody thinks the way that I'm thinking right now, then there's not going to be any toilet paper for a long time. So I put it back, and then I went and I got in line. And literally, like 20 seconds after I put that roll back, it was gone, because I noticed when I was standing line, I looked behind me, and there was a, a, a kid probably in his late teens, and what was he holding but those four rolls of Charmin. And I, uh, I felt like I should um, tell him that he should thank me, but I, I held my tongue. But I thought, it only lasted a few more seconds after I put it down, right? Um, now, why did that happen back in March? Why was it that there was no toilet paper anywhere? What happened was that we all developed what you might call a scarcity mindset about toilet paper. Many of us thought, you know, that's something that we really need, and the situation is unstable right now, so let's go stock up on it. And then as other people realized that some people were buying way more toilet paper than they would need, everyone thought, well, we better go buy it while there's still some there. right?" And in the end, what happened was some people ended up with way more toilet paper than they could ever need, and other people ended up with nothing. That's what happened because this scarcity mindset developed. And what I want us to notice is that The problem wasn't actually that toilet paper was scarce. The problem was that everybody thought it was scarce. right? It was the belief in scarcity that actually created scarcity. It's interesting. The scarcity mindset is actually very common, not just about toilet paper, but about a lot of things. And it's the mindset that says there's not going to be enough. There's never going to be enough to go around. There's not going to be enough money. There's not going to be enough jobs. There's not going to be enough opportunities for everyone. Now, of course, sometimes scarcity is a very real thing. Okay, I don't want to deny that. But when we bring the scarcity mindset to things that we shouldn't, it can actually make things a lot worse, like with the toilet paper in March. The scarcity mindset makes us fearful, uh, it makes us anxious, it can lead us to act selfishly, and it can keep us from being generous. One story from the Bible that I think is really relevant to this topic comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, uh, starting around verse 15. So if you have a Bible, either on your phone or an actual physical Bible, I encourage you to turn there. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 15. Now, this is what's known as the feeding of the 5,000. Probably a very familiar story to many of us. Uh, But I want us to, to think about it through the lens of this concept of the scarcity mindset. As evening approached, the disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Now, at this point, what would the scarcity mindset say? The scarcity mindset would say, we better not tell anyone about these loaves and fish. We better keep them for ourselves, right? Because we don't have very many. But fortunately, that's not what happens. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So I I want us to take a moment to appreciate how remarkable this is. Uh, This is known as the feeding of the 5,000, but that's not entirely accurate. If you heard that last verse there, uh, you've hopefully noticed that it says, that the 5,000 was 5,000 men, but there were actually women and children there as well. Uh, in those days, when you had a crowd, you only counted the men in the official count. I don't know why, that sounds silly to me. Very patriarchal society, uh, but that's the way it was. So it's not unreasonable to assume that the actual crowd size would have been closer to 10,000. right? Probably about double that. And for perspective, Uh, Gamble Pavilion, where the basketball games are played at Yukon, that holds 10,127 people. So this is kind of like all the people in Gamble Pavilion on a full house night being fed by uh, five slices of pizza and two pretzels. And not only that, but there's 12 piles of pizza and pretzels left over afterwards. Some people like to ask, what is the significance of the fact that there's 12 basketfuls left over? And what I like to say is the significance is that there were 12 basketfuls left over. (laughs) We don't need to look at the number to try and find extra meaning. The point is that Jesus has provided in abundance. There's a lot more left over than they started with. Now, it should go without saying, this was a miracle. This was a supernatural event. You don't start with five loaves of bread and then have 12 basketfuls left over after feeding 10,000 people unless something supernatural has occurred. Something supernatural has occurred here, and... The, the main point of this miracle is to illustrate the fact that Jesus is Lord. Okay, That Jesus is not bound by the constraints of the natural world. He's, he's not bound uh, by that order. He is Lord over creation. Creation doesn't, isn't Lord over him. It's the other way around. Uh, that's part of the whole point here. But I think we make a mistake if we understand this miracle simply as communicating that. Right. If Jesus was Lord over creation, then He's still Lord of creation now, and that means that a miracle like this has significance for us in the present, and it should have uh, implications for how we view the world, and specifically what kind of mindset we approach the world with. Do we approach it with a scarcity mindset, or with something else? You know, the scarcity mindset would say there's just not enough to go around. But the kind of mindset that Jesus calls us to is one that trusts God instead of focusing on scarcity, right? It's one where we live generously and trust that God will provide as we do that. But that is a very, very hard lesson for us to learn, and what we might miss is that the Gospel of Matthew really emphasizes how hard of a lesson it is to learn. You might not know this, but did you know there's not just a feeding of the 5,000 in the book of Matthew? There's also a feeding of the 4,000. So if you just look ahead in your Bible just a little bit, uh, chapter 15, starting in verse 32, uh, it's like deja vu. So chapter 15, starting in verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. So once again, same problem that we had in chapter 14, right? Now, what do you think the disciples would say at this point? You'd think they would say, oh, Lord, we know where we can get some food. All we need is just a little bit, and then you can multiply it, just like you did a couple days ago when you fed 10,000 people. Uh, But that's not what they say. right? They say, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Gee, I wonder, (laughs) where could we get that? It's like the feeding of the 5,000 never even happened for them. But anyway, Jesus replies, "Uh, how many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. Now that's interesting, right? Because last time, how many loaves did they have? Five. So they're doing even better this time. They should be like, oh yeah, we're going to have like 40 leftover basketfuls this time. Uh, But no, they they still haven't seemed to catch on. They're still uh, stuck in the scarcity mindset. Jesus told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. So probably about 8,000 people, once again, everyone has enough to eat, and there's even leftovers. Jesus has provided, and Jesus has provided in abundance. Now, you would think, okay, at this point, the disciples are going to get it, right? At this point, they're going to realize Jesus can provide, we don't have to worry about bread, right? That's what you would think. Well, look ahead, chapter 16, verse 5. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it's because we didn't bring any bread. Now, this is funny stuff here. <laughs> I mean, we should, we should see the humor in this. The disciples are so worried about not having enough bread that they just hear the word yeast and then suddenly they make this association in their brain that, oh, Jesus must be talking about how we don't have enough bread and that's, that's what's going on here. Which, when you look at it in context, that's absurd, right? Jesus is obviously just using the word yeast because it's a metaphor for the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It doesn't have anything to do with, with food at all. But they're stuck in a scarcity mindset, which leads them to have tunnel vision. They can't even think rationally. They can't even hear uh, what Jesus is saying to them. What they do here is kind of like, like imagine you go to the beach with a friend. And your friend says, be careful swimming in the water because there's a riptide there. And then you think, uh, he's upset because I didn't bring enough bottled water. It's a complete non sequitur, right? But that's what the scarcity mindset does. When we're focused on something that we lack, we can't. We're not. We become irrational, right? We can only think about that thing. And actually, researchers say that that is what happens, especially with people who uh, struggle financially. Is that they become so so focused on the lack of money that they end up neglecting other things in their lives as well. They end up having tunnel vision about that one one problem. So, and the disciples are saying this, right? They still have this tunnel vision, even though they've experienced these two miraculous provisions of bread. Let's keep reading. uh, Verse 8. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? Basically, You've seen me miraculously provide. You saw that there was an abundance afterwards. Why are you focused on this? Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, I think it's okay to laugh at the disciples. They're being pretty dense here. I think we are supposed to laugh at them. But this story shouldn't just make us think, oh, those silly disciples, right? This story should make us think, the scarcity mindset is really hard to break out of. Really hard to break out of. And that should lead us to ask ourselves questions like, how am I sometimes like the disciples? How am I slow to trust God? How might I be enslaved to the idea that there's never enough? There's never going to be enough. And then influenced by the fear and anxiety and lack of generosity that comes from that fear. Here's some evidence that most of us are drawn toward a scarcity mindset. Uh, Michael Norton, he is a professor at Harvard Business School, and he's done a lot of research on the relationship uh, between wealth and happiness. And he claims that most people, no matter how much money they make, always think that they could be perfectly content if they were making two to three times more than they're currently making. And of course, they can't all be right, right? Right? Because if the person making 50000 a year thinks they would be perfectly content with 100000 but the person who has 100000 a year thinks they'll be perfectly content with 200000 a year, then clearly everybody's wrong. Right? So what that shows us is that we have this natural inclination to think that happiness will come from having more. Right? If we had more, then we could be totally content. Then we could be free of worry then we could be generous. But Jesus wants us to break out of that way of thinking. Rather than thinking, I don't have enough, he wants us to to think, God can take the little that I have and then multiply it and turn it into a lot. I don't know about you guys, but one thing I feel like I never have enough of is time. Right? Amen? It always feels like there's not enough time. <clears throat> but I realize maybe I could use my time better if I thought of it like the loaves and the fishes in this story. You know, 20 minutes of time is not a lot. Just like five loaves of bread and two fish didn't seem like a lot. But 20 minutes of undivided attention, you know, with our kids or uh, praying or in scripture, uh, or calling a a friend and talking on the phone, those 20 minutes can have a profound impact if they're used well. Those 20 minutes can have an effect that multiplies in our own lives and in in the lives of the people that we're interacting with. And if we believe that 20 minutes can be like the loaves and the fish in this story, uh, then we will actually do worthwhile things with our twenty minutes of free time, right if we don 't think that twenty minutes is like the loaves and the fishes, then how do we use it? Well, if we end up with twenty minutes of free time, we usually like fritter it away, you know scrolling on our phones or something like that. Same thing is true with money. you know we might feel like we don 't have a lot of money to give to those who are in need, or to missions, or to the church. But if we see our offerings like the loaves and the fish in this story, we're going to be more likely to give. We're going to be more likely to be generous, even if what we have to offer seems like a, a small amount. And when everyone starts thinking that way, you know that a little bit God can still use, well, then what happens? People give to things, and stuff happens, and it, 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 it all accumulates, and it makes a big difference. But if everyone thinks, oh, it's just a little bit, it's not gonna make a difference, then nobody ends up giving. And then, together, that makes a huge difference, right? The scarcity mentality says, I don't have enough, I'll never have enough. But the mentality that Jesus wants us to have is perfectly expressed by 2 Peter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. God wants us to trust that what we really need to live the way that he wants us to live, that's been provided. We have that. But, like the disciples demonstrate in this story, that is a very hard lesson for us to learn. And I know that's true from personal experience, because I am by nature a worrier. And the irony is that I can look back on my life, and I can see time and time again that I've always had what I needed to live a godly life. I've always been provided for. And that doesn't mean life has always been easy, but ultimately, yes, I have had what I needed. But I can still look to the future with a scarcity mindset. You know, as soon as a threat comes and things are uncertain, I can start to fall right into this fear. There's not going to be enough. There's never going to be enough. And and, and start living out of that mindset instead of out of a faith mindset. And then that scarcity mindset leads to anxiety, it leads to a lack of generosity, and it leads to tunnel vision, right? So this morning, I have a simple message. I just want us to hear God saying to us, I can take a little and multiply it. I am greater than any lack that you fear. If there's one sentence that I encourage you to remember from this message this morning, it's that. God saying, I am greater than any lack that you fear. I am with you. Do not be afraid. My divine power has given you everything that you need for a godly life. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that this story uh, would hit us anew this morning. Uh, in a way that challenges us to live generously, uh, to trust you, uh, to not be focused on the things we lack, uh, but to be confident that you can multiply the little that we have. Lord, help us not to live in a scarcity mindset. Help us to live in a faith mindset. And Lord, I pray that uh, whatever it is that we might need to look at in our life, uh, the way that we see the loaves and the fish in this story, Lord, help, help us to know what that is. And then to, to live expecting um, that you can multiply that time, that money, uh, those resources, whatever it is. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.